I want to share with you this morning um, a message that I think is fundamental to the Christian walk, and it's not an easy message, but it's a message that Jesus kept reiterating in so many different ways, trying to get people to understand, and it really is about counting the cost of following him and what that means. I don't know whether you're you know, for us guys, we probably remember back in the days when we thought we were Superman or Spider-Man or something like that. And I don't know about you, but where I used to live, we lived at Wonga Park, which is up near Warrandyte. We lived on acreage. Mum and Dad had a nice house and, 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 and it sort of there was a slope on the side of the house so you could get up on the roof fairly easily, but then the other side had a really big drop. And I used to put my trampoline down there and I used to get up on top of the roof and then I used to contemplate jumping. And you really had to count the cost. As a little kid, it was like, it was a long way down. It was like, no, if I miss the bar and I land with it between my legs, it could be a really difficult situation. If I get caught in the springs, what if I land in the middle and it catapults me out somewhere? So you'd sit there deliberating. Do I jump or don't I jump? Is it worth the cost? Is it worth the risk? I mean, the exhilaration could be fantastic. But if I break a leg, it's not going to be pretty. And I think the Christian life is all about deciding whether we're willing to count the cost. Am I prepared to do it God's way or am I really going to do it my way? Am I prepared to give it all or give it half? And it really is sort of um, a paradox to this idea of thriving, which is our theme for the year, because surrendering to God and sacrificing everything to God is not the world's language of how you thrive. It's a paradox, but it's an important one. And I think when we truly give our lives to God, give it all to the Lord, lay down our lives, lay down our rights, lay down everything that we are, everything that we hope to be, and we lay that on the altar and say, Lord, here I am. My life is no longer valuable. It's what you want to do with my life that's more important. When we get to that point in our journey, that's when heaven really touches earth because that's when we're an empty vessel and God's got possession of us and he can do with us what he desires, not we wrestle to allow him to do. And it's a pretty difficult concept to get your head around because it's, it is a paradox that flourishing and being a disciple of Christ is all about discipline and denial. And yet that's not the culture that we live in. The culture that we live in is all about us and my importance and I deserve to get what I deserve to get. I have a right to be happy. I hear that all the time. When we do marriage counselling with people, I hear people say all the time, I have a right to be happy. I can walk out of this relationship because I've got a right to be happy. I've got to be right. I've got a right for life to go my way. And that's not Christianity. We don't have any rights. We laid them down at the altar. We gave those rights up and we made a covenant with God that we would surrender our lives to him and walk his way. And in that surrender, in that sacrifice, that's when the good things come, but it's the hardest choice to make. I want to explore that a little bit this morning. Large crowds were travelling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. 
Suppose one of you wants to build a tower, won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have the money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, will he send a, will not send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace? In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. So whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. I don't know that you would get a discourse or a statement from Jesus that was more powerful than that. And I think it's said in the context of that that passage starts off with large crowds were following Jesus. And I think that was problematic for the Lord. I think he looked around and saw the large crowd and he went, they're not committed. The fact that there were many follow him was problematic because I think Jesus knew that when I teach them the truth of the choice they need to make, there probably won't be large crowds anymore. That when the reality of what it costs to be a Christian is really understood, I think he was, he was really struggling with you know, this having these large crowds and yet knowing that when the ultimate understanding of the gospel came, how many would still be there. And I think it was out of that, not frustration, but probably just, just I want these people to grasp what I'm really trying to offer them, how many of them will still follow. And I believe that that, that choice for us as Christians needs to be deeply considered and weighed up. Am I really willing to follow God all out with everything I am? And, and it's, it's, it's like Jesus was starting to use this language and saying, look, if you're going to follow me, you need to hate your mother and father. You need to hate your wife, hate your children, even hate yourself in comparison to the love that you have for me. It was like this fierce choice that had to be made that God had to be above everything else. And I think he looked back at the crowds and went, I don't think they've made that choice. Maybe they were following because of the signs and wonders or maybe it was a, you know, there was a good vibe happening. I don't know. But I, I just sense that Jesus was sort of going, I wonder who's really with me. So why don't I turn to them and I'll tell them what it's really going to cost to follow me and we'll see what the response is at the end, how many still decide to stay. So I think Jesus is saying, you're going to have to follow me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and the price that you're going to pay to follow me is to carry a cross. Now that language would have been understood in those days. There wouldn't have been no doubt what Jesus was trying to imply to the people listening, that that to carry a cross was a huge, it meant death, a brutal death in those times. So when Jesus was was turning to the crowd and, and saying you know, using this, what they call it, hyperbole. They use it over an exaggeration to make a point. But he wasn't exaggerating about the cross. He was saying, if you're going to follow me, then Mel, the price you're going to pay is going to be huge. Kelly, 
the price you're going to pay is going to be huge. Pete, the price you'll pay is going to be huge. And we need to weigh that up. And it's knowing that that we choose to follow. That's the starting point of our Christian life. And I don't think there's a tougher message to really grapple with in our lives because it's not just a choice we make at one point in our journey when we surrender and say, yes, Lord, you can have my life. It's a daily choice. In fact, it's an hourly choice. In fact, every decision we make is hinged on that sacrificial sense of following God. And my fear for this nation and Christendom is that it's no longer about sacrifice. And it has to be. And the reason why it has to be is because if there's no sacrifice, then there's no fire. If there's nothing put on the altar, then God can't consume it. So knowing who God is and knowing what we have in him is only one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is knowing that we put our lives on the altar and say, Lord, here I am, come and consume me. Fire doesn't fall until there's a sacrifice. Now, God won't force us to be the sacrifice. He wasn't forcing the crowd. He was just explaining to them what it really meant to be a Christian, that you've got to, you've got to be self-aware of what it's costing you and you clamber up on that altar and you lay yourself down and you say, God, my ambitions, my dreams, my hopes, my future, every choice I make is all about what you want for my life now. And then the fire will come. But God can't consume something that's not sacrificed. It's such an important part of our Christian life. So the whole discourse that Jesus is, is you know, he's giving them examples of a builder who, who has to estimate what it's going to cost him to build the tower before he builds it. And it's like a Christian starting the Christian walk and realising what it's going to cost and going, ah, I'm not prepared to walk that journey anymore, I'm out. And you and I could testify to lots of people that started well, had that encounter with God, but the cost got too much and they walked away. And Jesus was saying that's probably going to be inevitable for a lot of people, but don't start unless you know the cost. Because if you know the cost, then you'll always know what it's going to cost you and how difficult it's going to be. And I think he's, you know, that last statement, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus was saying, if you don't have spiritual ears, you won't hear what I'm really saying. You won't really understand what laying down your life is. Am I willing to give up my will and my preferences? Am I willing to give up my ambitions? Am I willing to lay it all down, my time, my career, my possessions, my popularity? Am I willing to give up my choice to decide what is right for my life every day? Now, that's all about us choosing to deny ourselves. And it's not something that our culture breeds into us. Our culture, in fact, breeds the opposite into us. It tells us that we have rights, but we don't in the context of following. And we know from Scripture that sacrifice was just embedded into the you know, the Hebrew culture. There were sacrifices for everything all the time. Some of them were prescribed, meaning as being part of that Jewish culture, you went and did this sacrifice because it was just part of, of your people group. But then there was also spontaneous sacrifice when people would just be so overwhelmed with the wonder of God that they would set up an altar and they'd sacrifice without having to be told to do it. They'd just do it out of love for God. And what we're doing here this morning is really sacrifice. 
We're presenting our bodies before God and saying, Lord, here I am. Here's my life. It's yours to do with it, whatever you want. But sacrifice can't be wrapped up in lolly paper. <laughs> it can't be presented easily. It's a tough subject. And we're called in the New Testament to present our bodies as a living sacrifice and to take up our cross and to present ourselves before God. And that's true worship, holy and acceptable before God. And I think sometimes we get into the mindset where we see sacrifice as somehow God's punishment upon us. It's not punishment, it's privilege. If we brought people from the world in here and we talked about giving up our rights and you know, following God and letting him rule over us and him being sovereign and Lord, they would think we're nuts because they would think, what a hard taskmaster, you know, what a cruel God he would be to not allow you to live out your life but make you live the life that he has destined for you. But see, I think when we give up what we want and we follow what God wants, we're exchanging something for something far greater, far, far greater. And Paul said, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So whatever the Lord asks us to give up or um, to give or to give up, we have to see that sacrifice in the light of it being honour and homage. It's giving something up to gain something far greater. It's seeking first the kingdom of God. And I think sacrifice is something that, that the greater the sacrifice, the greater the honour it is to God. And that's a biblical principle. When, when David had the opportunity to set up an altar on land that a king was going to give him for free, he said, no, I will not sacrifice to the Lord that which has cost me nothing. I want to pay for that land and I want to pay to have the privilege to give that sacrifice to God because I want him to know I'm willing to pay a cost to honour him. I will not sacrifice to the Lord that which has cost me nothing. And God says to us every week, when you get your pay packet, you take the first 10%, not the last, not what you've got left over, not what you think you can offer, and you present that as a sacrifice to God. It costs you. It costs me. I could find far better things to do with it in the natural. But it's a biblical principle to test our commitment. And we give that to God, not as a punishment, but as an honour to give a gift to a king. And we give that gift knowing that it's cost us, but that demonstration of my devotion to God is just my proof. Every time I get something in my hands that's of value, that's of cost to me, I say, God, here's your portion. Why? Because that's sacrifice. And sacrifice is not a punishment. But that's our mindset, isn't it? God, why would you make me give up that 10%? 
Well, he could make us give it all up. He deserves it all. It's his to start with. But that's just one little part of our life. Finances is just one thing. We've got careers. We've got marriage partners. We've got children. We've got this whole journey where God is saying, I want to be in control of that. I want to be in control of your businesses. I want to be in control of your workplace. I want to be in control of your marriage. And we can wrestle with God the whole way through or what Jesus is saying, understand what I'm asking you to do if you want to follow me. It's you need to lay down your life. Not just once when you get saved. Not just on special occasions when there's a big choice to be made. It's taking it up daily. It means getting before God and being absolutely sure that his will is the will that you're obeying. And that's a tough gig for us. Mother Teresa said, to be real sacrificed, it must cost, it must hurt, it must empty ourselves. <laughs> and she knew all about sacrifice. You know, when Jesus looked at that, that widow with the mite, he saw all the people in the synagogue coming and putting in their 10%. But he saw what she put in and she realised how much more it cost her so there was more honour in what she gave. You know, we shouldn't have the attitude where we give God 10 and we go, oh, geez, you should be really grateful, God, that you got the 10. <laughs> you know, it's the wrong heart attitude. And I think that's why Jesus would look back at those crowds and went, I, I really wonder where their hearts are. Are they sold out for me or is it just a good time that we're having? It was a big commitment. And this is the really crucial part, I think, where there's no sacrifice, there's no fire. The sacrifice of our lives, of our possessions, of our careers, you know, of our life partners, they're such big decisions. And whenever there's sacrifice, there's a manifestation of God's presence and power. You know, you think about Elijah at Mount Carmel when he set up that altar to show to the prophets of Baal that his God was far greater than theirs. He had to take the risk of setting that scene up and almost mocking them and waiting for the fire to fall. And everywhere that there's a sacrifice, God comes through, whether that be Abraham and Isaac. Any situation where there's a sacrifice, fire will fall. If that sacrifice is coming from the right heart attitude. And God said, I require Mercy, not sacrifice, meaning just cutting a lamb's throat and putting it on a slab of concrete and burning it means nothing. It's what it costs us. It's what it represents. It's been a symbolic thing of who we are in the Old Testament. Now in the New Testament, it's literally, there's no animals left to sacrifice. It's you and I deciding, are we going to lay down our lives? That's a tough message, hey? But where there's sacrifice, there's fire. And when that fire comes, when we freely offer ourselves, the fire of God will come and consume us. And then when we consume with the fire of God, that's when our lives really get moving in God, really moving in God. Without you and me responding in service, there can be no response, no manifestation, no breakthrough, no victory, no revival, and no fruit. It's when... We lay our lives on the altar that heaven, heaven's part of the equation, engages, engages with us. See, God can't move on this earth without us. He's waiting. He can't save officer and the nations of this world without us because that's the way he's prescribed the equation, that he wants to work with humanity. 
but he's waiting for us to say, here I am, Lord, send me. And when we get up on that altar and we say, Lord, here's my life, then, then all the goodness of God comes and the fire falls. The fire comes and we're ready for the service of God. So that's really all I wanted to share with you today. I mean, it's a, it's a huge topic. I, I, I just think it's just such a hard thing for us to get our hearts and our head around. But if we're going to thrive... We've got to be believers that are daily saying, Lord, here I am. Consume me. And when we present ourselves to God with that willingness to surrender, knowing what the sacrifice will be, we shouldn't be coming with a fear in our hearts. We should be coming in faith in our hearts that whatever God calls us to do is his perfect plan for our life. It may be way beyond what we think we're capable of. In fact, I'm sure it will be because that's God's design. He takes the little and he gives us a lot. But he's waiting for us to come and surrender. Now, I don't know in your journey of your Christian walk, I'm sure there's been times where you've really given it all to God. But it's so easy to take it back, isn't it? And we keep coming back to this place of sacrifice all the time. And there's nothing wrong with that because it's so easy in this world that we live in for things to get crowded out and for our obsession to become far less than that. I just really believe this was a word for today. It wasn't actually the message I had prepared. But I know that God is stirring us as a people to really be sincere about our faith. You know? I don't want to be a church where we just get together on Sunday and we have a great time, we go through the motions. That, that's, that's sacrifice without any heart in it. But we can look at this topic and we go, Mark, how, how depressing. <laughs> sacrifice, you know. So Old Testament, it's so not the modern era, but it is. It's the heart of God. Because the eyes of God go to and fro throughout the earth looking <laughs> for those people who are willing to sacrifice. And then he goes, there's one. Amongst all the crowd, there's one. There's one. And it's really up to us to say, I'm willing, Lord. I can't force you. I don't want to force you. I want you to weigh it up. See, that builder had to estimate the cost and go, yep, I can do this. That king had to look at his, his nation and realise they could get wiped out if I don't go and make a peace deal here. He could lose everything. Are we willing to risk it all? That's what God's asking us to do. Remember that there's a, a really powerful song. I think it Robin Mark wrote it. Jesus, all for Jesus. All I am and have and ever hope to be, I surrender. You know, when you surrender to something, you surrender because you have to. Stick them up, Jeremy. You don't have a choice, right? That's surrender. But sacrifice is far different from surrender. Sacrifice is knowing what it's going to cost you and choosing to step into that. There's a totally different concept. Surrender is knowing that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords and that he's going to come in power one day and take over this earth, and you surrender to that. But that doesn't mean you're following. You just surrender to that truth. Stepping into that truth is sacrifice and then saying, God, my business, my marriage, my life, my career, everything I have, everything I hope to be, that's yours. So you lead me now. And if you want to do this with my life, then 
I surrender and I sacrifice and we follow God. We really need to be a people of sacrifice because I believe that when we do that well, fire comes and we need the fire. Those two go hand in hand. We need to be a church that, that God knows. Here's a people that are willing to get up on that altar and present themselves so the fire can fall. And we want fire to fall in our lives. Why don't we pray? Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Father, I want to ask today that you would really open our ears to hear. If you were saying to people, let anyone who has ears hear, you were saying that to, I guess, drive home the point that this was a significant thing that you were speaking about. And I think when you were saying, let those who have ears hear, you were really saying, I'm expecting them to respond to this. There's a choice to be made because you've heard it. And Lord, my prayer is just simply that we would be a people, not just in this moment, although that's important, but on the Monday morning and the Tuesday morning and the Wednesday morning and the Thursday and the Friday and the Saturday and every day, Lord, we'd be people of sacrifice that we would look at our relationships and be sacrificial in the way that we live those relationships out. We would look at our resources, Lord, and we would be sacrificial in the way that we estimate what we have in our hands and that we would not see it as a punishment that you would partner with us in building your kingdom, but we would see it as privilege. And so every opportunity that we have to give of ourselves or the things that we possess or the things that we can influence, Lord, we want to be sacrificial people. And that song that John sang about being so full of pride and so wanting to just to hold on to what is ours when it's really not. Lord, we want to offer up our lives afresh this morning. In this moment, God. We want to thank you for the privilege of being able to climb up on that altar and present ourselves before you. Not as a dead sacrifice without a choice but a living sacrifice with a will and a freedom to choose to obey or choose not to. And it's in that free choice that we make today, Lord, that we want to say thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. But we want to follow. No turning back. No, none of the crowd go with me. And though the road ahead isn't really the one that I would choose, it's narrow and it's windy, it's not popular, it's costly, but knowing all of that, we choose to follow anyway. As Peter said, Lord, where else would we go? <laughs> what other choice could we make knowing what we know, knowing what our ears have heard, 
heard, knowing what our hearts have received, knowing what our spiritual eyes have seen, Lord, what other choice really is there but to follow you? Lord, I, th- I thank you for these beautiful people. I journey with them. I know their hearts. I know their struggles. I know the pressures that they're under. I know what the world throws at them. I know what the enemy seeks to do. But I thank you above everything else, Lord, that in this church we don't have any superstars. We just have sincere people that want to give their best to God. And I thank you for that fundamental truth about the people that gather here, that they just want to be real. And I don't think it's ever easy to get up on that altar. Because Jesus was saying, you need to know what the cost is. But I think the cost is worth it to gain Christ and to gain his perfect plan for my life and for him to position me where he wants me to be and for him to ordain my steps and for him to guide my path and for him to place me and use me. So, Father, today we're laying down our lives afresh to you. And we're asking, Lord, that you would come and consume in us all the fear, all the hesitance, all the doubt, all the uncertainty, all the stubbornness, all the hardness of heart. And we say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And Lord, I want to ask above all else that when that sacrifice is made, that you would be faithful to all your promises, that the fire of God would come and burn. Burn in our hearts, burn in our wills, burn in our determination. Lord, burn and consume us in such a way that this fire that you light up in us is something that the world can't put out. It's not something that the enemy can quench. It's not something that disappointment can wipe out. It's not something that tough times can diminish. Because the fire of God is not hooked up to anything except the spirit of the living God. And Lord, we need that fire. We need that fire to burn deep and to burn strong in every one of us. The Holy Spirit, come. Come and remind us, Lord, of your call on our lives. Lord, come and remind us of the plans and the purposes that you have to prosper us. And that whatever 
you call us to do is going to be far greater than anything that we could conjure up, any choice that we could make to pursue our own destiny, God. What you have is so much better.